Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Maeve Marsden and you're listening to Queer Stories. This week, Natalie Caro is a queer Colombian-Chilean comedian, actor, drag king, writer and producer. They're the founder of queer comedy cabaret gag and pot comedy lineup show Thanks for Having Me. They're also the resident host of Kings and Queens, FBI Radio's queer culture segment. You might have seen Natalie on SBS The Feed, The Chaser War on 2021, Me and Herpes, I'm Dying Inside, or Your Very Own Dreams. Natalie performed this story at the State Library of New South Wales. In 2014, I was a bright-eyed, somewhat closeted, cis-convinced 19-year-old. I'd just moved to Byron Bay to study audio production in hopes of taking my then two-year DJ career to the next level, becoming Australia's next flume. One day, I finally decided to cook my first meal in the communal kitchen, but I couldn't figure out the induction stove. I grew up working class, okay? This guy slowly walks over. Let's just say his name is Ryan Gosling, um, for legal purposes. Ryan was an elusive presence on campus. He alternated between graphic tees of the Big Lebowski, Star Wars, and obscure metal bands. He had no style, with hair like Obi-Wan Kenobi. But there was something about this dude. Without saying anything, he presses the power button. And just like that, something else was being inducted. (laughs) And I can't help but wonder, was that so the reason my life would change forever? (laughs) Six months into our relationship, I'd dropped out, forcing me to move into Ryan's dorm. College life was a slew of parties and drinking and yet overwhelmingly lonely. I decided to make the most of my now study-free time, and after months of planning, my sister and I finally book our flights to Chile. We hadn't been since our memorable 2007 trip when I was 13 and she was 15. Our first destination, the Atacama Desert, a visually stunning, arid landscape where we hiked through sand dunes, visited an incredible home restaurant, saw pink flamingos, and even went evening snowboarding. Well, my sister did, I just sat a third of the way up and watched. We stayed at a beautiful hotel where we ate most days and made sure to fill up on the filtered water because tap stuff was bad. Next, we went to the salt flats of San Pedro, sitting at about three to 4,000 meters above sea level. We prepped for altitude sickness by buying coca leaves to chew on. It was a steep and bumpy ride to the flats on a very cold early morning and I was not doing well. The plan was always to get into the hot springs together, but after a grueling drive and probs of vom, I was in no state to partake. My stomach was still fragile when we got back that night, and the truffle-laden menu was no help. I was feeling disheartened that my vacation wasn't going to plan. After these misadventures, we headed off to see family. 
Our abuelita and most of our aunts, uncles, and cousins live in San Vicente de Taguatagua, a dusty pueblo of humble surroundings where my family live on working class properties, some with chickens, veggies, and grapevines. Family feasts and kitchen prep are common. It seems Abuelita spends most of her time in the kitchen, still at 80 years old. I enjoyed the quality time with them all, but there was also an overwhelming sense of disparity. Often I felt anxious and like I didn't belong. I struggled to switch off the part of me that just wanted to be back home in Australia. One day in the kitchen, an anti-abortion pro-life segment suddenly came on the news. A view I was absolutely not used to entertaining, but that was the long-established reality in Chile. ¿Qué culpa tiene el bebé? It's not the baby's fault, my tía Feliz asserts. Feliz means joyful, content, which she normally was. But did they all feel like this? I looked over to my cousin Belen, Tia's 18-year-old daughter, who was already expecting her first child, just like her sister Maria Jose before her. I stayed quiet. She won't eat a thing. Tenga mas porotos. My abuelita slammed down a plate of stewy spaghetti soup with beans and sausage. I was still feeling affected by my trip to the desert and certain foods made me wretch. Disculpe, abuelita, está delicioso. <clears throat> I just don't feel like eating anything. Perhaps it was the altitude sickness or the bit of tap water that I drank on a hot day, or maybe it was all that bloody truffle oil. But by now, my mysterious case of chile belly was getting out of hand. All my aunties were worried about me. They charged on the attack with a litany of different herbal teas and remedies. One frustrated evening, I messaged my mum. I was missing home and her sympathetic shoulder was exactly what I needed. What if you're pregnant? She jests with a bunch of emojis. What a flippant and quirky thing for my mum to joke about. <laughs> We never spoke about this, sex or relationships. Muy rico si estuviera. I'd be happy if you were. I'd love to be a grandma, she continued. Wait, she was actually serious. After our chat, I couldn't shake the feeling that mom knows best. I had to figure out a way to get my hands on a pregnancy test. But we were a ways away from town. The house was full of conservative family members and the notion of privacy doesn't exist in Latin culture. A family excursion was planned and somehow I convinced them to make a pit stop at the pharmacy. To my horror, the whole family jumped out of the car, <laughs> following me into the pharmacy. My sister distracts them on the under the end of the counter as I awkwardly make eyes at the girls signaling SOS. <clears throat> Una prueba de embarazo, por favor. I gently whisper. Back at the house, I sit watching the bathroom. The opportunities to inconspicuously go to the toilet were numbered. But I found my window and I sneaked in, test in pocket. I pee on the stick. My mind races, longest two minutes of my life. I grab the stick and there it is. Two lines that would dramatically change my life forever. Two lines that summed up a million thoughts, regrets, and wishes. I checked again and I stared at my future hoping it would change right in front of me. Maybe if I shut my eyes long enough and hard enough, I'll wake up and this will all just have been a bad nightmare. I open my eyes and those two lines are still there. I think back to a few months earlier when I was taken off the pill because it was making me depressed. 
I leave the bathroom in a contained rage and my emotions overcome me. A quiet, more reserved auntie, Tia Edith, finds me. She's the poet of the family, the artist, a single mum of my cousin Roberto. Without any words, she knows. And instead of schooling me, she tells me, I went through the same thing, sabes? We sit together in silence as I cry on her shoulder. Did I mention it was my sister's birthday? As my life flips upside down, the rest of the family cheerily prepares for celebrations, moving tables, setting up the barbecue. I find a moment to go outside and call Ryan. I didn't have great access to the internet and felt so helpless. All I had was two lines. Was it a false positive? How far along was I? Could I get flights home? Was Chile an option? We ended the call with a sense of urgency and some semblance of a plan. Dinner was still a while away and my cousins had planned another excursion. We arrive at an unassuming rickety bridge. This is the last thing I want to be doing. Suddenly, I find myself surrounded by an endless horizon of orange, a stunning field of California poppies also known as golden thimbles, an invasive and widespread weed in Chile, often toxic and damaging. In other words, beautiful but deadly. And I think to myself, how cliche. But also, good metaphor, I'll probably use that one day. <laughs> At the time, Chile had one of the strictest abortion laws globally. The practice of abortion would be prohibited altogether for at least another two years. The more I tried to keep this under wraps from my Catholic family, the more I had to let people in on it. But just like the poppies, I was lucky to find members, family members who would help me. Tia Edith, who discreetly helped me form a plan, Maria Jose, a nurse who helped me confirm the pregnancy, and Francisco, who helpfully called a medical center attempting to rid me of this stomach bug, but then consoled me as I confessed the truth. Not knowing exactly how, considering I was a tourist without healthcare, Francisco got me in to see a gynecologist in the city who confirmed that I was two months pregnant. This has been chilling inside me for a whole two months? That was soon after I went to Splinter in the Grass. <laughs> Do you want to hear the heartbeat? The doctor asked, while simultaneously pressing the button that plays the heartbeat. I gripped onto my sister's hand and tried to cry discreetly. Expected due date, 23rd of April, my dad's birthday. Another nail in the coffin. I had to get back home. At this point, it was life or death but my sister wanted to stay in Chile. We might not get to see Abuelita again, she said. My farewell with my Abuelita was punishing. The guilt of leaving after eight years of planning this trip was destroying me inside, but I wasn't able to show her that. Still, she reassured me that I was making the right decision. Did she know? At the departure gate, I turned to my sister. She wishes me luck and says goodbye through tears. On the other side, my mom and Ryan wait for me at arrivals. I run to them, no words, just more tears. The days that followed were slow and exhausting. I was so sick, I felt like a demon was being exercised from me every time I went to the bathroom. I remember waking up on certain mornings convinced that Ryan was my husband. I remember spending time online finding baby photo generators that would morph my face with his. I tortured myself over this decision. The day of the procedure comes around, 
solemn and heavy. Ryan tries to console me, but I'm just angry at the world. Following a quick screening process, or what felt more like a condescending chat from the male doctor who didn't know the hormonal effects of contraception, I go into the operating room. I wake up groggy, but there's tea and Vicky's. I'm filled with sadness, and for a brief moment, I think, where's my baby? With all the drugs, I don't know if it was in my mind or if the words actually left my lips. Either way, it was scary. I dig into those treats and start composing myself as the drugs wear off. The receptionist stops me on the way out. That'll be $400 today. Today? I don't think I'll be coming back anytime soon. <laughs> I paid and Ryan and I never discussed the expense. I will always resent the unspoken responsibility and sacrifice that I absorbed out of a decision of two. Sometimes, on my lonely days, I wonder if I made the right choice. I think, a child would love me unconditionally and be there for me when no one else is. Parents in the audience, I know that might be foolish and naive. <laughs> On my good days, I wonder if a seven-year-old would just hush my vibe. Nonetheless, I'd make a convincing MILF. <laughs> but ultimately, I've grown out of any shame reconciling with my decision. I've grown to appreciate my freedom of choice. I've grown thankful for all the opportunities that have come my way, not because of the absence of a child, but because of the autonomy to live freely. I look to the future as uncertain as I was back then. And I just hope and trust that if I ever find myself standing in an endless field of orange poppies once again, that it will be because I went searching. It will be because I crossed that bridge knowing what was on the other side. It won't be a discovery, but a familiar sight, a golden thimble just waiting for me to find it. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast, share your favourite tales on the socials, and follow Queer Stories on Facebook for updates. You can also follow me, Maeve Marsden, on Twitter and Instagram. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.